Hi, everybody. This is Casey Lee, and this is me talking to people. Hello out there in podcast land. It is a milestone today because we've actually made it all the way to episode two. Yes, what a streak it's been. Um, as normal, I sound out of breath because I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what's been happening. This is the second podcast I've been recording. Um, this is the second episode of that second podcast. And I don't know, there's a certain nervousness or excitement that happens when I'm about to record it. And I get, I guess I get nervous. My heart pounds setting everything up. Maybe I'm out of breath from explaining all the rules to the guests. Not that we have a ton of rules, but something about it puts me out of breath right before the podcast starts recording, which is not good when you need to talk for an hour. So anyways, I just want to thank everybody who listened to the first podcast, the first episode. Uh, we had a great conversation with Aaron Sedanker. Um, a lot of insightful things, but I wanted to reflect a little bit on t- in terms of um, what happened afterwards. It, it was interesting because I literally recorded that uh, three days ago. And I've already listened to it about three times to just kind of see how it was going. And I kind of got very retro, uh, not retrospective. I got very, I guess, introspective. Well, I don't know, retrospective, whatever. Uh, introspective in terms of listening to it and trying to figure out, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I was battling constantly when I was talking to Aaron in terms of letting the conversation go and having a good time and just chatting versus the agenda of questions that I had, you know, it's definitely this balance because I think I really thought out my questions. I really want to answer those, or sorry, ask those, but I think letting the conversation go naturally with him maybe would have been interesting as well. So it's definitely really a tough battle. I'm definitely finding my way here. It's interesting when you start a new project and you don't really quite know what it's going to be. When I listened to the very first episode of the ETC podcast, that was definitely, you know, a mess. Um, so it's interesting. I'm still finding my tone. I'm currently watching a show called The Orville. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a Seth MacFarlane's new baby. Um, you know, he created Family Guy and American Dad, and now he's uh, doing The Orville. And that's another show I think that took a while for it to find its tone. It kind of started off really funny, and then it kind of got more serious. And now it's kind of like this full-blown serious sci-fi show, which is really crazy. So I guess what I'm saying is that I am as good as Seth MacFarlane in this world, which Obviously, it was an overblown, sarcastic statement. Okay, so last time on the podcast, I talked about how I loathe podcasts that take forever to get to the guest because usually podcasts have the guest name in the podcast. Sometimes the podcast episode is literally just named after the person. You put on the podcast, you put it in your car, you start listening, and you listen for 20 minutes and finally, hey, now we're going to bring on this interview with a guest. And it's like, oh my God, why did I listen to that whole thing? Um, I think all podcasters have a little bit of self-love and they like to listen to their own voice for a really long time. I definitely fit in that category. But I will make it a point to not go too long without introducing um, our, my, my second guest of the podcast. So Super excited today. Um, I'm going to tell you a brief story as my introduction to our guest today. Um, so for those who don't know, I run a very small service company called BiteSight. And when I was starting the company, I definitely thought about major milestones when it came to, when it came to my business. I thought about, oh, when we incorporated, that would be really cool. When I'd hire my first employee, that would be very cool. And definitely one of the biggest things on my checklist was when I get an office, you know, when I actually can, can stop working out of my home, working out of the guest room, I can actually get an office. That was definitely something that was big on my checklist. I had a rude awakening when it came to what it takes to rent office space. Uh, 
It is crazy expensive. The leases are crazy long. I have no idea when you, st- when you start to run a business and you're taking a big risk in general and then someone says, oh yeah, don't worry. It's uh, you know, five to $10,000 a month and you have to sign a contract for five years. You know, I have like, no idea how people do that. It, anyways, it was very daunting, but that w- did not stop me from getting an office. And a big reason of that is my guest today. Now he has had quite a varied career, which I only learned about yesterday when I jumped onto his LinkedIn page. Um, he spent a lot of time in a lot of different companies, a lot of different things, doing a lot of different things. He has even had a brush with my tiny hometown of Pembroke, Ontario, which is pretty awesome. Today, he runs a co-working space called My Byward Office, um, and he also does a lot of mentoring on the art of business, the art of startups, the art of bettering yourself, a lot of different things. I've seen this guy in action. I see him almost every day when I come to work. Um, I would like to introduce the founder and owner of My Byward Office, Eric McRae. That's a rousing welcome. Thank you, Casey. That's amazing. (laughs) So, I mean, you know what's funny is that like, I think one of the reasons I started this podcast, again, is, is that like I knew that I had access to a lot of people that I have a lot of interesting things to say. So these kind of intros are actually very natural. Um, it's, I mean, I have a couple of bullet points and all that stuff. Um, but it's true, though. I mean, you have had a, had a pretty varied career. Yeah, yeah. I have. Oh, I'm surprised it took you this long to scope me out on, <laughs> on LinkedIn, though. Like, really, Casey, well, come on. Well, this like, is, we've known each other for, what, like three and a half, four years? You, you were like one crazy, of my first actually. clients. That's crazy. And, and I mean, that's the, that's, I think that's the crazy thing about it. And I think that's yeah. one of the things about this podcast is like, I mean, we see each other almost every day and yeah. we, we seemingly know each other, but there's so much about each other that we don't know, right? Like there's, there's so much about you that I don't know. And I think that's kind of, I don't know if it's the reason I started the podcast, but it's kind of an interesting aspect to interview people like you who, again, we have a lot of dealings, but there's a lot about you I don't know. So let's start, let's start to explore who Eric McRae is. All right. Let's, let's get into this. So I'm very curious, like, like what you're, I mean, I don't know if we have to get super in detail about it, but we can too. Like your upbringing, like where, where did you grow up and where, how did you end up like in Ottawa? Like, like, Oh man, you know what? And that's fine. You know, so when I, when I was first born, I was conceived and I came into the world. <laughs> Fair no, enough. I'm just kidding. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm not going to go quite that far. Actually, I was born in South America. In okay. Guyana. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. And that's what I realized as you kind of said that and you asked that question, I'm like, Actually, you know what? I don't think I've ever talked to Casey about right. where I grew up and where I lived. Uh, so you, I was, you know what the sad thing is too? Yeah. Like my geography is so poor that it, like you saying Guyana and then saying South America really helps me out because I didn't even know what continent That's why I do that. Okay, so you, so you grew up in South America. Yeah. Like up, you were born there? I was. That's where I was born. And okay. then I grew up in Trinidad. I moved to Trinidad with my mom and my dad when we were uh, how six or seven. Six or seven, okay. Right. So, and do you they, do you remember South America a lot? Or yeah, not? I do. Really? Yeah. You know what? You live in the Amazon, and you experience that. Right. It's a powerful place. Like it's 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 a powerful place. I mean, it has you, an impression. Can on you, you paint a picture a little bit? Because I think I, I just have no idea what. So I'll tell you one that some of my most formidable memories from there would be as a kid. You know, you do those kid things running around a neighborhood. I would be going running along canals, okay. and you always had this memory of everybody driving it into you. Do not go in the water. Okay. Because, and realistically, there's snakes, piranha, catfish that can take. Oh my God. <laughs> there's crazy ca- but like massive how, how, alligators. How legit is that danger? Is oh, it like- 
totally legit. Okay. There's there's stuff in, in the Amazon that will take you out in a heartbeat. Wow. You know, like some of the largest snakes in the world live there. The constrictors live there. They like, would you, massive, see, would you see yeah. them? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. That's crazy. I remembered even as a kid seeing, um, driving down, uh, driving down and seeing the farmers, um, they were, well, they were killing a snake, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it had eaten a calf. Okay. Like a full, like, so the calf is a, yeah. Size of a grown man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it took it out like this thing was massive. Right, right, right. Uh, so you get things like that and you see things like that and you're like, okay, that leaves an impression on you. You're like, I will never forget the, the size of that snake in I, my life. I mean, what's the infrastructure like? I mean, I mean, the way you're talking right now, I'm picturing <laughs> like, you know, oh, you're like. Oh, you got to remember I'm old. Sure, so this sure, is, sure. You're talking about 1970s. The infrastructure okay. back then um, was a lot more rural. Okay. I mean, there were main roads and things like that. We had a nice house and pools and all of those sure, other things, sure. but it wasn't, um, you know, you didn't necessarily always have really super reliable power everywhere right. in the country right, right, right. where we were, we were pretty good and really lucky in, in Demerara and in Kingston. But, um, you know, the rest of it, mm, it you can have black rolling blackouts, those kinds of things. And I'm sure that might still exist today. Right. So, I mean, so you're, so you grew up there about yeah. six or seven, you guys left. And then we moved to Trinidad where right. my mom was from. My mom was, was okay. born and raised in Trinidad. Is that why you guys went? Yeah, there? Or, yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. and uh, that was interesting because that's my most formative years. I didn't okay. leave there until I was almost 18. Okay, crazy. Right? So that's where I really kind of grew up and figured out who I was and became a teenager and all that sure. kind of stuff. This this may sound a little bit uh, ignorant, but like, I mean, I, I've met people from Trinidad and they have strong accents. Yeah. You do not. <laughs> no. Is that, is that, what's, what's that? Is that like you just never picked up an accent or it's literally changed because you've been on... You know, I can I can adapt. Okay, <laughs> I adapt really really well. Right. Um, if I'm around people that are Guyanese, yeah, the Guyanese accent comes out. No way. If I'm okay. Around people that are Trinidad, Trinidad accent comes out. If I hang out around anybody too long, yeah, I will invariably pick up their language. Right, 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 right. So you were in Trinidad for how long then? From six, sorry, six to eighteen. You said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was there for for quite a while. So about twelve years. Right. And that's really where I grew up. And I mean that was scuba diving with my cousins and uncles on the weekend and spearfishing, uh, climbing mountains and going to the beaches. Cool, and cool. It's just an amazing place to live. And especially because Trinidad is such an industrialized country. Okay. People don't realize it, but um, Trinidad, you know, like they got oil money. Right, 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 right. Like they are one of the largest refineries in the world. Most of the stuff that comes out of Venezuela and all these different places, yeah, yeah. a lot of it hits their refineries before it hits the North American shore. Okay. So they have a lot of commercial wealth and they do a lot of exporting uh they share a lot of that wealth with a lot of the other commonwealth countries within within the chain of islands and they help them develop their economies as well so from trinidad's perspective i'll put it to you this way context ottawa has what three costcos yeah has about the same population as as trinidad trinidad has i believe six okay Right. So like the, the money economy, all those things within the environment are just huge. Right, right, right. right? So it's a really industrialized piece. People think, oh, it's, you know, it's a quaint little, you know, um, West Indian island. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're fully industrialized. They, they know what they're doing. And uh, it's a great kind of perspective to have it really formulated who I was because when people hear oh you're from the islands they think you're living in you know in this <laughs> nice little quaint shack on a beach in you know I think we're picturing coconuts. like 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 no. <laughs> alcohol commercials basically you yeah know? yeah yeah that's what we're fed right <laughs> yeah, 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 but exactly. uh in reality is that when you come from places like, and I mean the same thing happens with places in like Africa right people see this image that we 
media feeds us. Yes. And they assume that to be right. Well, again, I mean, I, I, I literally went there when you were talking about growing yeah. up in Guyana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, like canals and, you know, yeah. jungle trees and stuff like that. And like, you know. And yeah, so, there, there is that. But, but there's also the very industrialized part Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That right? makes sense. So 18, you grow up there, your formative years. Obviously, um, you know, it seems like, you, I mean, you talk about it lovingly. You left at 18. Yeah. Yep, came to, uh, I moved from there to, the first place I lived in Canada was in Oshawa. Okay, so you came to Canada, was, yeah. was your next yeah. step? Yeah, Oshawa. my next step. Yeah, Oshawa okay. was, that's a... So let's, let's, start, let's, let's go back up for a second. What, like, what was the reasoning for leave, leaving Trinidad in the first place? You know what, I think it was, my dad was, my parents had separated when okay. I was about seven or eight. Yep. So shortly after they moved to Trinidad, and my dad was in Canada. He'd moved to Canada because he went to McGill okay. University, spent oh, some time okay. there. Uh, so he was very familiar. So when he was doing his reset, yeah, he kind of came back to Canada. Right, right, right. And immigrated here. Uh, so he'd been here for a number of years. So I moved up to kind of finish my education. And uh, I moved in. He was living in Oshawa at the time. So I moved there uh, shortly after. Sorry, to finish your education. So, yeah. so you finished your high school in Canada? Yeah, I finished my oh, high okay, school. Okay, the last okay. couple of years I finished here, which was really frustrating. So <laughs> note to self. Yeah, yeah. When coming from an, another academic environment a different schooling system yeah like in the west indies we have a very advanced school system so at that time we had i had probably had one year left in high school and then when i came here they put me back two years because of my birth date oh and because i came from a different academic so they wanted to make sure i had lots of time to adjust so that meant i was in high school for another four years what yeah grade 10 grade 11 grade 12 so i was so in, you had one year left and you did an extra four years after that you got it oh my god i should I, if i knew i would have like why did i not just stay the one year that's correct i mean so i mean i'm assuming you found that out after your move yeah yeah, you yeah nobody at, at 17 i'm not thinking about that is that normal though is that like it, it happens to a lot of people and it was crazy. just I, with two things a they put you back a year and b because of my birthday yeah it just put me in that one group so the first last what, first what do you mean because years, your birthday like because you're my birthday's in october oh okay right okay. So, so it's like later in the year whatever exactly so because of my age when i started yeah they were like nope you're back here oh my god so it, the first couple of years i literally just slept was that was that like socially i mean like high school and elementary school kids you know, can be cruel was like were you the old guy you know, no like, you know what actually i usually ended up hanging out with people around my age anyway okay okay uh, so you know i was hanging out with people who were in grade 11 12 because those were my peers right um i didn't hang out with a lot of people in my grade but uh what i found was i spent the first couple of years literally just sleeping i would i, I would go to class and i'd be like i am so bored Right, right, <laughs> right. Because right, I've right. done this all. Yeah, I've done yeah, this all yeah, two yeah. years ago. So I'm way, way past. Well, this. that's I'm, the thing. It's not even yeah. like it's not even because of like a. It's not because like there was like an uh, an educational deficiency where you're coming no. from or anything. Like no, that. that's right. It, they were way actually. They're way more advanced than they, okay. they are in North America. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being in science class, and a teacher got really frustrated with me sleeping in their class every day. Right, and he kind of backed on desk and said. Eric, what part of the cell is this? And I named every single part. And he was like, go back to sleep. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so and, funny. Because well, I'm assuming you were a pretty good student too. Like, yeah. It was, it's not I like was you were good. a slacker back in Trinidad, right? Like, No, I wasn't a slacker. Yeah, I, went yeah, to, yeah. I went to a private college when I was in Trinidad. It's so funny though, these kind of like come up in stories. I, I remember my, yeah. my dad actually um, t- always tells me the story about how he, he, um, he got accused of cheating, I think, in med school. So when he, when he wow. was in Toronto, he got accused yeah. of cheating. And my dad, like, went to the process, like, I didn't cheat. Like, let me rewrite the exam right here and right now. And so mm-hmm. he took the exam, rewrote it, 
apparently got like perfect or whatever. Yeah. The prof ended, like, ended up inviting him to like his house for dinner that night. That's kind of an apology or whatever. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. And it, 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 it's interesting that uh, when you think of those things, why did they think he was cheating? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I have no idea. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you come to Canada. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sorry, I'm, I, Back to the reasoning, like, was there a reason why you didn't want to finish your schooling in Trinidad? Like, was it to um, kind of get ahead? I think it was just Canada? timing. It was just timing in life. Okay. Um, it, it was when it was the right time. Yeah. Things kind of lined up. My dad was able to sponsor me and bring me up. Okay. Those kinds of things. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. It was just everything kind of lined time. up. Yeah, everything kind of lined up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, and after, shortly after that, I, um, I, my mom had immigrated as well. Okay. Okay. Um, so. And I think things just didn't work out with my dad. I wasn't used to living with him. I wasn't sure. used to living under his house. Right. So that was a little rough for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And well, uh, I think even for like, I mean, like, I mean, you always hear stories like university students when they go mm-hmm. back and deliver their their yeah. family. It's like tough, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I went to live with my dad when I was I was eighteen. Yeah. I was almost eighteen. Like, so I was. It was a very. It was. It was An tricky teen. for both of us. Yeah. yeah you got yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So we, after that, I ended up moving to Toronto because my mom had immigrated as well. So I moved up to Toronto and I stayed in Toronto for probably about eight years. Because Oshawa is just outside Toronto. Yeah, it's just like a half an hour. It's not far. Right, right, right. Cool. So so you kind (laughs) of finish your schooling by going to four years of high school. (laughs) So the good thing about it, the good news about it was when I was in um, Toronto, I went to Woburn. Fun fact, this Woburn is the same school at the time when a bare naked ladies. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So I was there when they were just starting out. And so you, like, you knew them? I didn't know them, but like, I knew who they were. I'd see them down the halls. I mean, you knew who that band and that group was. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they had great stuff. I remembered the, the second album, I believe, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Was actually a note to the principal because we all protested and signed like petitions to let them play because he's like, we're not going to let a band named Bare Naked Ladies yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of controversy dance. back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 and and we all kind of signed petitions. But you haven't listened to their music; their stuff is really good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, fun fact: I was there, and That's one wild. of my teachers there, because I, I was an artist, painting and drawing, he realized that I was really talented. So he got me into a, um, I got me to apply and got into a school called Wexford, okay. which was a um, art school. So okay. they specialize in art. So instead of doing math and English and science, I had math and English. And photography, illustration, life drawing, cool, uh, printmaking, all of those different things. So I spent all of my time is this, sorry, doing is this art. Secondary, like high school level, yeah, okay. high school level, yeah. Cool. So it was. I spent like literally all day, six subjects a day, doing art. That's awesome. Uh, one of them was in um, animation and filmmaking. So I was doing videography and filmmaking. And I did it's a- all starting to make sense now. <laughs> all this artsy stuff that I see every day. Yeah. I'm like, where's yeah. this coming from? Where's Eric's drawing on walls yeah. and making portraits? And yeah, yeah. Not to sell you short on your passion. Don't get me wrong. No, no, but no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so out of I did a co-op placement in a in the animation house, okay. which is an animation company that does commercials. Okay. Uh, and it got into computer animation, and then so right out of high school, they hired me. Wow. So I worked with them for uh, probably just over a year, if I remember. Crazy. And yeah. and so you were you literally doing the animating or were you? Uh, I was doing the computer side. So I was okay. doing the quick action recording, scanning stuff in, doing some model animation. Cool. Um, and also working on computer animation when it was like first, first coming out. Remember like those old videos, money for nothing, little blocks and squares rolling around on screen? Uh, don't know oh, specifically yeah, if that's what, uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. specifically that's what I'm, I'm remembering, but yeah. yeah. But really, really old, early stage 
stage animation. Okay, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. stuff that I was working on. Crazy. So crazy. I did that for a number of years. I mean, what year are we talking there uh, about? Like eighty, early eighties. Early eighties. Yeah, my birth. That's when I was entering. That's when I was entering the world. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> this is we just this, dated this, me. This, this is the yeah, other I, thing. This I, is I, the, I was born in nineteen seventy one. This, <laughs> this is the other thing I'm starting to learn is is your actual age. You know, you hide you hide it well. So yeah, thank you. Um, okay, interesting. So so you you actually went to kind of more like specialized art school in high school. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I did. Cool. Like and was that the last couple, like two years, three years, or last year? Yeah, or? the last three years. I, okay. I did that, and then so that uh, is a huge benefit then of yeah. of being held back in in four years or whatever, right? Or like kind of reset to four years that you actually get these extra three years. Of yeah, art, I, had a, so. it, I know. And in retrospect, I think it allowed me a lot of time to be able to adjust to just a new culture, new space, navigating a North American world, which is very different from the West Indies. Sure. And um, in, because I didn't have to worry about the academic side. I didn't, I didn't have to think about it. So I could just kind of go out, have fun. I didn't have to do homework because I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I could yeah, kind yeah, of knock yeah. it out pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, it gave me a lot of freedom from that perspective. So that from that sense, it was pretty good. Right. Cool, yeah. cool. You end up working at this animation company for mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. And then where does... Eric's journey go after that. After that, I had my own security company where I worked. Is this two keys? Uh, no, 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 okay. no. Two keys, two keys. No, no, definitely not that kind of security. This is like physical security. So oh. now you're going to learn the colorful side of Eric's past. <laughs> Are we talking like bouncer security? Yeah, I was a bouncer. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was. Um, I was. Hey, a- hey, now the build of your body <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> So I was a bouncer uh, for some of the roughest clubs, okay. like reggae clubs, like nasty reggae right, clubs. Right, right, right. And I was the head doorman for um, PWDs, which was like a insane nightclub. Okay. It was on Davidsville, very, very high end. People rolling up in Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis, like that was a standard. You'd have people from Rolling, the band members from Rolling Stones, oh, and like everybody knew this spot and yeah. came in, but. It also had this other really dark side to the crowd where the people who were rolling up in Mercedes and Rolls Royces were like high-end dealers and gangsters. Right, 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 right. So I, these are the kinds of people that I worked with. So how, why did you decide to start that? Uh, sorry, that was, uh, it wasn't something I decided to start, but I was working. I was doing it when I was in high school. Okay, yeah. I was in martial arts. I did martial arts for a year. Right. For years. And um, I had, I just had the right skill. And I think I had the people skills to be able to navigate and help and not necessarily confront people, but deal with very challenging people. Yeah. Um, and people who were very aggressive and de-escalate situations. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, like, honestly, like that job is like, like, it's one of those jobs, like, there are a lot of jobs that I, I observe yeah. and I just like, I can't believe, like I could not believe being in that situation. So the, the trick for me was, I, you know me, I'm not that big. I'm 180 some odd pounds. Yeah. Um, I'm not like, I'm 5'8". Right. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> I'm 5'8". But um, they, I wasn't a huge guy or anything, but I was very skilled. Right. I, you know, I did, I did that job for about seven years and I never got hit. Right. 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 Um, I always, um, I always knew how to deescalate situations. I always knew how to manage them and respond appropriately. So that allowed me to be able to kind of develop a very specific skill set. Yeah. And a lot of times I would get called into clubs that were completely out of control. Right. They would right, call right. me up and be like, Eric, you need to get down. The lineup's out of control. People are rushing the door. Blah, sure, blah, blah, blah. Sure. I'd come in. And I'd be like, okay, uh, so I'll be there. It'll be an hour. It'll be $300. And they're like, $300 for an hour's work. I'm like, how much money are you losing on the bar? Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) So a lot of the times I would, you know, I think I was, 
I was probably one of the higher played <laughs> guys in the city. But you know, you know, it's interesting because like, I mean, one of the things I observe about you kind of in the day to day here is mm. how well you deal with, like I'm the opposite of dealing with confrontation as you. I'm very like timid. I'm very scared. I, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who like, if I email you just to say like, Hey, what's going on? I'll probably say, oh, I'm sorry to bother you in that kind of situation, right? <laughs> but, you know, like, just like a simple example, like if, yeah. if people are illegally smoking around this building, you know, you are one of the first people to, not, without hesitation, be like, you're not allowed to smoke here. Please, like, go, yeah. like, yeah, please yeah, get yeah. up to the legal right, right. And that's where that comes from. Because, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, being able to assert yourself with people um, yeah. and not be intimidated by them yeah. is uh, a lot of times when people are doing that, it's because they don't expect anybody to challenge them. Yeah, 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 right, right. right? So no, it's, 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 it's really interesting. So you, so you ran the security company. Mm-hmm. Um, and had about 14 staff. Wow, crazy. Yeah, so that was kind of like one of my first businesses. That's awesome. Uh, other than my little, my little businesses of uh, painting houses and stuff like that as a kid, I always, right. always kind of did that. Right, so you had a 14-person company, and how, um, how long did you have that going for? I had that going for about four years. Wow, yeah. okay, that's, that's so, a pretty big part then. Yeah, yeah, so about four years, three or four years. I mean, is and that then, where the entrepreneurial spirit yeah. started? And I shouldn't say started, but like was validated a little bit, that like you could actually run a business yeah. like successfully? And, it, and it, I think it even started even when I was in high school, because if I was lazy and I didn't get a job for summer, like plan and do that kind of stuff, I would just be like, well, I guess I'm going to go out and find some work. Right. And I would just, who, what do you want to do? What would, are you willing to pay for? What's your problem? What's your pain point? Tell me what that is and I'll fix it for you. Right, right, right. You need your house painted. You need a gate painted. You need a roof redone. I'll figure it out. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I'll make sure I do a good job. I'm very detail oriented. So I always make sure I do a good job at whatever I do. Sure. And I'll learn it. Um, and I'm more than willing to commit to it and just give myself a bit more of a buffer to yeah. make sure that I can do it well. Do you think like, I mean, in the beginning, in those early days of mm-hmm. again, literally like your house painting jobs or whatever, but maybe even in the early days of the security company, yeah. like was there a confidence like, yes, hundred percent, I can do this. Or was it more like, I think I can do this. Let me experiment. And it, you started getting good feedback to say like, yeah, maybe I'm actually good at this. No. So for me, it's, I, I have a very clear sense of what my capacity and what I'm capable of doing and what I'm not capable of doing. Right. Um, so I, I think when I, if I approach something or somebody asks me a question and I say, yes, I can do it. I'm 100%. I know I can nail that. Right. And I know if there is something that I can't do, I'll be like, that's going to be a little tricky. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, I'll give it my best and I'll let you know. I'm curious. Like, cause I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of similar in the way mm-hmm. that like, I, I, I'm very hesitant to take on work that I don't feel good about like, I, I'm like, you know, there's, there's this mentality sometimes of saying yes and figuring it out later. Yeah. You know, which I'm I guess, not, I guess, I'm not quite there. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always been, I, I will, I will absolutely be able to figure, I'm okay taking it on, figuring it out later, providing that I know that it's within my scope. Right. 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 If it's within the scope of the things that I can do and I know I can do, I'll take it on. Great. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's take a short break. Um, yep. We're going to do some unpaid advertisements and we'll come back to discuss uh, the rest of Eric McRae's life. Awesome. All right. And now we're going to do a segment called unpaid advertisements. If you guys don't know what this is, this is an early podcast and, uh, you know, people don't know me and they're not paying me to do stuff. Um, I'm hosting this podcast on a service called Anchor FM, which can pair you with 
advertisers, uh, advertisers, which is really cool, but I don't think it's available in Canada. So I thought to make this podcast sound a little bit authentic, I would do some unpaid advertisements. So here's where I'm going to promote products and services that I enjoy and just tell people about them and hopefully they know about them. My very first unpaid advertisement today is all about breather.com. Thought that would be an appropriate (laughs) ad given our guest today. So breather.com for people who don't know, if you're in a city and you're working or not even working, you're just relaxing and you're just, you're just looking for a place to get away or maybe do a little bit of work or just take a nap or just, you know, as it were, have a breather. You should definitely check out breather.com. Breather.com has all these amazing spaces around a bunch of different cities. Eric, can you list some of those cities that Breather's available uh, in? They're New York, San Francisco, Boston, Paris, London. They're in most of them in New York. When we hit New York, it exploded. It was huge there. Yeah. yeah. As, as you can hear, Eric's using the term we as Eric is a partner uh, with, with Breather.com. Uh-huh. And, you know, the thing that's very interesting about Breather.com, uh, at least, I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount about it, but the instant thing that I get from it is how amazing these spaces look and feel. Uh, I think there's definitely a philosophy around that. There's definitely a mentality. It's like, it's not just this empty, random room that you're booking. You're actually booking a place that gives you a certain feeling, a certain relaxation um, that you can really, uh, you know, you can really Again, take a breather. Yeah, inspires creativity. There you go, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, prices range from anywhere from 20... 20- what are we they, talking about? They, you can get rooms, small rooms, if you need to take a phone call from $15 an hour up to, you know, 80 or $120 an hour if you have a large meeting with 30 or 40 people. There you go. Depends. $15 yeah. an hour to $80 an hour, you can get a really nice room. I've used Breather for a couple different reasons for, um, you know, filming, for doing a little bit of work. And we are, in fact, recording this podcast We've had the privilege today to record this podcast in a breather space um, at 78 George Street. So very excited about that. Check it out, breather.com. You can also download the mobile app and booking is as simple as opening the app, sign up for our account and booking your first room. So check it out, breather.com. Download the app today. All right. In the first episode of the podcast, I talked a little bit about some of the tools that have uh, helped me host this podcast and make it sound professional sounding. I think one of the things that people will be surprised about about this podcast is that it actually sounds kind of legit, which is pretty cool. And I, and I advertise some stuff about that. One thing I do want to advertise, though, is really, I think, one of the key reasons why I started this podcast and is really the inspiration of another podcast. Uh, I'm talking about Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. If you haven't listened to this podcast, um, you know, I don't know where you've been because it is one of the top podcasts out there right now. Um, But if you don't listen to podcasts in general... First of all, I don't know why you're listening to this one, but if you don't listen to podcasts in general, it's a great way to get introduced to podcasts. It is hilarious. There is great interviews. Conan O'Brien, I think, does really well in the long form interview. There was a YouTube series that he launched a little while back called Serious Jibber Jabber, and it was Conan O'Brien actually interviewing guests that he had on the show, but he had a more hour long Charlie Rose style interview with them, which is uh, really interesting. And that kind of uh, that kind of long form interview is existent in this Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. It's hilarious. I find myself laughing in the car all the time. Um, I think the last time I laughed this hard at a podcast was the original podcast that inspired my old podcast back in 2008 was the Ricky Gervais podcast. But it's really hilarious. It's really good. Check it out. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's probably available on any podcast uh, platform you can think of. Okay, we are back here talking with the owner and and a co-founder, co-founder with yourself, yep, owner founder. and founder of My Byward Office. Um, 
so I'm hearing all these, this back story of Eric McRae. Um, you know, you've talked about, I mean, some previous jobs too, where you were running like call centers for like yeah. huge companies. Yeah. Can we mention the client? Is that, yeah, that, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I, okay. I don't think they're going to care. Um, <laughs> no one's so, listening to this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's not that you're going to listen to Carton. What are they going to do? They're yeah. going to say, no, that's not true. Yeah. No. Uh, so, uh, uh, American Express. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I ran the, which was the one that you mentioned in Pembroke, yeah, Pembroke which was Ontario. American, Ex- American Express call yeah. center. Uh, I was working with a company called online support. So yeah. they, their client was American Express. Express. Yeah. Um, so I was the director of operations there. I was also senior um, senior manager with training and quality for Hewlett Packard. Okay. I learned a crazy amount about customer service and customer satisfaction there. Right. Um, Sun Media, uh, where I was the director of uh, circulation distribution. Sun so, Media. Who's... Yeah. So newspapers. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I had all the circulations, everything from Ontario over to Br- British Columbia, so right. about 130 um, like local publications, and all the major urban ones. So another nine major urban, like the uh, Toronto Sun and London, and all those different public major right, publications, right, right. And newspapers. We managed all the circulation distribution there, and a part of my role there was also working with uh, the team out of Montreal with Quebec Core Media, which was Canoe, okay, which is one that they owned, um, and then moved to uh, Two Keys. Yep. Where we set up the GC key, you know, when everybody goes into CRA, sorry, that's a types in, types in their uh, their credentials, and uh, that was a, a system that Two Keys had built. I designed and put out the service desk on right. that. So, I guess where my question is going yeah. is where where does this <laughs> idea of co working come in? Like where, like oh, that's super easy. Okay, I, so remember earlier on, early stage, Eric entrepreneur always doing stuff doing the hustle the hustle before there was the thing called the hustle yeah i was just yeah. doing my thing uh, whatever i needed to do to make money being creative and when i was doing that i over the years i had tried and tried to start several businesses i always had that entrepreneurial drive my uncles my my grandfather i always had entrepreneurs around me so i was very used to and comfortable with that i was i'm very comfortable accepting risk and understanding where i fit and what my capabilities were um so I was working on all these different businesses. The at the time I was working on I remember having a conversation with my brother about this, who's also an entrepreneur. So when are we a, when are we talking to you? Like 2000, 2012? 12. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Probably around there. Yeah. And I remembered I was working I'd been working on starting a couple of businesses. One I'd closed down, another one I was currently working on. Can I, I ask what those businesses were? I'm curious. One was a liquor import agency that I'd partnered with three other people on. Okay. Um, don't get into it unless you have a lot of fucking money. Okay, okay. <laughs> is what I've learned, at, you know, a few thousand dollars in. Yeah, you yeah. need a crazy amount of money to do it. Um, I had uh, another business that I was doing with um, uh, called I Wine and Dine. The website's still up. It is actually um, in conjunction with Tony Aspler. So it's doing... Um, curated uh, memberships for wine reviews, food pairings, those kinds of okay, things. Yeah, yeah. And that was out of Toronto. So I was working on these different projects. And every time I went to a city, I was in Toronto, I was in Montreal, I was in Las Vegas, I was in New York. I could not find a proper place to work. Right. You know, and when I came back and then I kind of got onto this, oh, this co-working thing. And I'm like, got it. Like were that there, co- were there, I mean, was it, was it like these cities that you're going to? Yeah. 
was co-working kind of a thing already they established? Were start, yeah, they were already established. They were starting. And we had the hub that it started here. Right, right, right. Um, so I'm like, okay, great. You know, I'll go to the hub. Maybe that'll work. And I kind of sat down. I remember sitting down next to this, this I'll say, young guy. He was a bit younger than me in his early 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, he was, you know, really excited that he was probably going to close about thirty-four, dollars or $40,000 that year. Right. And I'm like... I'm closing 40,000 this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. we just, and, and it wasn't that what that was and that audience and what they were doing was nothing wrong with it. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I was just functioning at a different level. Right. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I got to find more of my peeps. Let's get out there and see where else. So I went to like other places like Regis and. You so know, you, you weren't living in Ottawa at this time? I was living in Ottawa. Yeah, I was living oh, in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. yeah. Um, so I was trying to find a place where I could work and be, because I need to be around people. I've sure. got to be around people. I'm a massive extrovert. And um, as I was doing that, I was trying these different places and they were business centers. And business centers are just not the same as the co-working communities. Right. You don't have the same energy. You don't have the investment. It's, um, you know, there's a receptionist sitting at the front desk. Yeah. But outside of taking your mail and receiving your customers and helping you around, navigate around the space, there isn't anything else. Right. Did um, you, did you, um, I just, sorry, I'm going to adjust my microphone mid-podcast yeah, here. Um, did you... <laughs> there you I'm go. Tell, I'm, telling no, my, good. I'm telling my guest not to uh, touch I've, the mic. I've already I'm, hit mine I'm, three I'm times. Touching us so much right now. <laughs> you um, are. You're going so, crazy. So, and now my mic is super loud. Um, did you know that though? That like that that you know business centers are not what like co-working spaces or communities are. I or is that something it, you discovered? Yeah, I figured, I figured it out pretty quickly. Okay, yeah. uh, that they just weren't the same thing. And um, and when I was around that time, I was also talking to my brother. Uh, like I said, who's also an entrepreneur and he actually, we were talking about business models and what the best business models are to start. Um, and, you know, he's in a marketing advertising kind of role and he's like, yep, feast or famine. He goes, I'm either feasting on steak or I'm eating nothing for months. Right. Right. He goes, massive contracts or absolutely nothing. And he goes, it's not the healthiest way to start your business. He goes, if you're going to do it, um, start a business that gives you small reoccurring revenue consistently. Right, Something right, that right. you can build, market, and advertise a product or service that you can just bring people to, and they come back month over month, week over week, year over year. But it's consistent, and yep. it goes. It'll grow, and it'll just it'll stabilize you. Right. Um, and or as he likes to put it, uh, Ricardo, he would say, "I will rather eat rice every day than dine on steak once a month." You know, it's funny. I, I'm on the fence about that. I, I'm, I'm almost like the kind of person who would be like, you know, and, uh, you know, this is coming from a Chinese guy who's talking about not eating rice every day, you know? So it's interesting though. Like, um, so that, that is the mentality. Uh, so did you instantly like light bulb? Nope. I no. had to, I had to figure out what the model was. Okay. I had to figure out what the business but, was and I had to look at the market. And when I was looking sure. at co- people co-working and that shared office space, I'm like, maybe we can hack that a little bit. Right, I don't right. think they're doing it quite right. And I think there's a service or a product out there that may be better right. than what we're doing because everybody was, Hey, we've got these 40,000 square feet. Everybody come here and work. Right, right, right. Um, and I wanted to, and my idea or concept was to decentralize that find a whole bunch of little spaces all over the city yeah. that people can access. And I'm like, okay, so how do people access it? Right. They need some kind of application, web interface that they can access over the phone. And I, that's where I started kind of building out the model 
I created the design boards and what it would look like. I didn't want a, a, a traditional office with a desk and a chair and a phone and a monitor. I wanted something that was going to, like I said, inspire that creative space yeah. uh, that people could use and was flexible for anything. And uh, so I kind of designed it. And then I started doing my market research, and that's where I realized that Julian, uh, the founder of Breather, Julian Cat, okay. they beat me to it by a year. Oh, well, I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> yeah. like had had Breather already? Uh, so probably Breather was already they in place. Were, they just started. They were already in place. They okay. Julian had beat me to it by probably about a year. He had right. started, so probably a year and a half earlier. Right. Um, they had about fourteen spaces out in Montreal. Right. Uh, so when I approached them, they were just at their infancy. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm like. We and I, I remember going trying to get a hold of Julian because he was really busy starting his little his company, and uh, looking for fundings and VCs. And I remember trying to get a hold of him, and he just wasn't picking up. And I called him, and I'm like, "Yo, dude, fucking call me." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, he was like, "Yo, dude, okay, I'll give this guy a call back." We sat down, we talked, we had a meeting. Because how how did you find out about Breather? Um, I was like in your uh, market research. Yeah. When I was doing my market research, okay. so I was sitting at a Starbucks and, uh, just off of hunt club and a uh, plug for Starbucks unpaid advertising. <laughs> yeah, there we go. See, I can do that third, too, Casey. Third unpaid advertising. <laughs> I can do that too, Casey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, we're we're going to edit that part out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> So you're at a so, Starbucks. Yeah, I'm Starbucks. Or an unknown friend. coffee shop. Yeah, unknown coffee shop. <laughs> Unnamed coffee shop. Sorry. And I was uh, chatting with a friend of mine who was in uh, doing work with VC and investors and stuff. And he's like, I heard about this little company out of Montreal. He goes, you should check them out. And I looked at them and I'm like, that's it. That's ah, what right. I want to do. But I mean, they weren't doing co-working though. I mean, no, they but maybe, doing maybe your mentality though about the how the space feels, what it inspires and all that stuff. Like that's what you're talking about. Like, yes, that's yeah. right. And, and and I think with the breather, it's very different from co-working. Sure, sure, right? sure. Yeah. Uh, I like if the anything, idea of co-working. Yeah. If anything, in in, in some cases, it's like anti-co-working because it is. you want to go get up. It's you and yeah, yourself. Exactly. It's a private space just yeah, to yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But I thought that was a model that had not been done. Right. Right. And it hadn't. It hadn't been done well at all. Right. Um, until Breather kind of came in and I went to them and said, okay. And Julie and I sat down and had a long conversation uh, in Montreal and he, we realized, okay, we think the same way. Cause he asked me, he's like, so tell me why would I want to franchise this out to you? And I said, how about I give you the reasons why you would never want to franchise your business? Right. Right. I'm like, just business hat on. This is the problem with franchising. And these are the challenges that you come, you're going to run into. And I laid them all out and he was like, okay, you get it. And then, uh, so we agreed to just be partners. And I think I'm the only partner that, they have right like an actual market and this is a while back this is what six twenty this was 2014 early 2014 so it's it's not like this is something they're going to regularly do it's like kind of maybe the one off that yeah exactly so and they haven't done that i don't think they have had another market partner since so did you you partnered with breather before mbo started yeah yeah so i partnered with breather uh this room that we're in right now is actually the first one that i opened right i had three spaces and um did you have the space before you partnered with breather or you no i partnered with i partnered with them I was already looking. All I already right. had identified a whole bunch of spaces. So when they were when they were coming in, um, it was an easy thing for them to partner with me because I was on the ground. I'd found locations. I was willing to manage it, and I completely funded it. So they opened up a second city, yeah, without having to drop more than some time investment and some design. Because you were kind of managing. I was both. managing it, doing it, and putting it all together. Did you? I mean, did you already have the like? I mean, 
Okay, like hypothetical. If Breather came to my doorstep right now and said, "Casey, we want to partner with you," mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Great, okay." And then I'm like, "I have no idea what to do. Like, I don't know how to rent space. I don't know how to yeah, find space." Yeah, I, like, did you did you already have that from previous experience, or did you? F- I had figured it all out. Okay. I had, I'd mapped it out. I'd mapped out the business case, how it was going to work, the systems, the door, the doors, what was needed, how the Wi-Fi would work. I'd mapped. But all I mean, of even that out. even pre that though, even getting mm-hmm. a space and like what's involved in like renting a space for business yeah. reasons and all that, it's like I, I had some. Ba- I had enough background and experience in it yeah. to, that I, like I said, I knew I could navigate sure, it. Sure. I could do it. Yeah. Um, I knew what the markets were, the locations. I'd done all my market research in terms of what the best spots in the city were. Right. 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 Um, and where the density was, where the transit systems were, all those different things. So cool. I figured it all out. So when they came to the city, I kind of gave them a playbook right, to go right. with. That's awesome. And then so where, again, does MBO kind of surface? Where does uh, it- So I'd always wanted to do the uh, co-working, and I'd planned to do it probably two or three years after building out Breather. Uh, so I wanted to spend, you know, get it up to like six or eight sites in the city. And that would kind of, you know, I'd be, that'd be enough right. for probably the demand of the city. And then what I started, and then like actually the room that we're in and in, in the, the, my Byward office that became available uh, because I'd, an entrepreneur, ADD. <laughs> <laughs> I was previously working with another friend of mine on setting up a co-working space. Right. So I wanted to do both. But um, that didn't come through because there was a just I didn't have enough capital myself. Right. It's it's really expensive to set it up but the th- way I, I mean, wanted th- to do this it. This is the thing, to be honest, like that yeah. that surprises me. Uh, but like like there are certain industries that mm-hmm. I don't think I would touch with a 10 foot pole. And one of those is the one that you're in, which yeah, is that and liquor. Space. And I've done both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, restaurants is the another big one that comes to mind where it's just like I, I don't like I hear so many horror stories about getting a business. Don't a touch it unless up. you have a quarter mil in the bank. Right. Cash. So, I mean, I mean, was that like at all? I mean, scary for you. I mean, like you yeah. have to get a lot of money and you have to invest a lot of money. I remember I remember this one time, this very uh, rather flippant remark that I made where I was like, Oh man, we're all in the service business, so we're, we're all we're, we're all we're all profitable from day one. And you're like, uh, no, nope. I'm not profitable from day one. Like, who are you, right? Um, yeah. Because you, yeah, you have to. I mean, you must have to. I mean, I mean, I, I almost want you to paint like a picture for like what people don't know about getting us setting space. this up. Yeah. Right? So, like, and it's what a lot of people come to me with saying, "Oh, I want to set up a co-working space like yours." Yeah. And yeah, I've, yeah. I've got had a, quite a few people come to me, and I'm like, okay, so here's the dirty truth that nobody else is going to tell you yeah. this stuff is crazy expensive. Yeah. It like to set up what I did was about $90 a square foot. And when you are setting up two to 3000 square feet, uh, do the math, <laughs> do the math. It doesn't take long. Yeah, you yeah, need yeah. six figures to do it, which meant that I pulled all of cash in all of my RSPs. Really? Took a hit on all of it. Wow. Uh, all the cash in the bank, second mortgage, all the capital. Um, so you're, I was you're, doing some, you're like a real, like, I am real I'm real entrepreneur. You I know? am the I'm the guy sitting at the poker table in his underwear going all in. Wow. Okay, <laughs> you know, like okay. there's nothing else. Yeah. So I put it all in. Um and it was all just legwork, like building. I was here until four or five o'clock in the morning and back at eight. You know, like So every was that scary day. when you were starting to take out your RSPs and I mean um, or were you No, I, so it it was I knew it was scary. Uh it didn't get scary until after I'd finished it. After, right? after I'd finished building it. So well, I'm going to go back for one second. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, after yeah. I finished Breather, uh, the real estate here became available, that room. Um, and it was the right size and right 
price point that I could afford it and do it. I already ran the math. I knew what I needed. I knew what the configuration was. So I just, I'm like, I have to jump on it. Right. Because I knew it was such a prime location. I mean, in in Ottawa terms, this is the equivalent of being at Young Young and Dundas. Right, right, right. Right. You know, it's right on top of the subway, central to, you know, the Rideau Center and the Byward Market and everything. You can't get a better location. So I'm like, got to. Yeah. You know, I've just got to take the risk. It's a huge risk, um, but I'm going to take it. So I did that, built it, um, and it was literally like 90 hours a week. Oh, man. You know, just like I said, in there till 3 o'clock, back at 8 every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, were you doing pretty much everything yourself at that point? Yeah, I was doing a lot of it. Uh, you know, I had a trades, I had to get trades to come in yeah. uh, who did the structural and um, installed all the nice, beautiful wood beams and all that stuff because you need I mean, again, to, another ignorant yeah. question on my yeah. behalf. What were you doing for those 90 hours a week? Like, were you gutting the place and, yeah. and renovating? And ripping, ripping up floors, gutting, painting okay. the ceiling, you know, insulation. Uh, I had an electrician come in. I was his assistant and running wires and crawling through spaces. Right. And it took about um, three months to build. Wow. Right. Because I mean, and is that, is that because and that's all permits and everything else you have to get trades in and inspectors and yeah. all that stuff. And then you also have to set up the business. So I had to set up the website and, uh, website and Wi-Fi and configure it and run cables and it yeah. takes it takes just a crazy amount of time. I mean, all that all that renovation stuff was that because the building was in bad shape or because the building was not your vision of again the place that inspires creativity oh, and all that. Like the building was uh, that space for the co-working space as beautiful as it is now yeah. was not that when I walked in. I would love to see pictures of the old place. I'll sh- like. I'll sh- I'll, I should have a picture or two. I'll sh- I'll send them. I'll show them to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was um, it, it was awful. It was yeah. all just particle boards and the ceiling was painted white it, it like i saw the ceiling and i'm like that's an original 130 year old tin ceiling right, right and right. it's just they put like big fluorescent white boxes on it and it, it, they just did the worst possible things to it right so it was a it wasn't a res um renovation so much as a restoration and restorations take time and love and you can't just go in there swinging a hammer so a lot of it meant that you were scrubbing bricks so that's another thing though did you yeah. know how to renovate a place uh, yeah, I just have a lot of experience. Like, <laughs> like I'm pretty handy. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty yeah, handy. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can put stuff together. I can build things. So I've always been good at that. Right. I'm creative. So I was uh, the design element. I actually went in and like I, I used um, uh, actually SketchUp unpaid advertising. Yeah. See, I don't even true. know. I don't know what SketchUp is. <laughs> this SketchUp is, legit, just, this SketchUp is just. It's just an app that you can use. You can create a room and create models and mockups of it. Right. And uh, so I did that and designed it out. Um, picked out all the colors and the furniture and everything like that. And then I had to start ordering and purchasing. And so if I wasn't swinging a hammer, I was over in EQ3 or online ordering and from all the different places yeah. to get all of those things to come together at the right time. Right. So you mentioned that it didn't really get scary until after all this was done. No, yeah. Why is that? Um, Because you're so busy. You're like uh, head down, go, 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 yeah, go, yeah, go. Yeah. You're so not really you're just, worried. You're running, right? You're yeah, running. Yeah, yeah. You, these are these are the tasks and the things I have to get done today. So I was just barreling through it. Right. Um, and when I was at the end of it, I'll tell you the, the scary part about what when I, I was so tired. The night before I opened, we were still finishing and renovating. I had a whole bunch of people in, my, my friends, my, my wife was in. We were all doing our thing. And I was so exhausted. I was cutting the countertop for the kitchen. Okay. Uh, with a table saw and we cut the countertop. I lost my focus for a second and then put my hand into the blade of the t- ah, table saw. Shoot. And I was like, 
okay. And everyone's like, Eric's lost some fingers. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and quite literally, I, I could have. Oh, my God. Uh, I have a pretty nasty scar. Oh, my God. I, so much so bad that when I got to the, um, when I got to the emergency, uh, the nurse was like, oh, God, here's another guy. Yeah, man, boo-boo. Okay, fine. <laughs> and she takes the bandage off. She jumps back. She covers it back up. She's like, I'm getting you in right away. Oh, and she's like, oh, my God. She's like, you were sitting there. <laughs> That's I feel like I feel like that scar is like a reminder of all the blood, sweat and tears that went into it. It was literally. And you know what? The next day I was there for the opening. Yeah. OK. Right. So so your opening happened. I mean, I'm, I kind of want to get back to this this fear that settled in, though. Yeah. What was what was the fear that set in? So there was absolute exhaustion. Didn't have anything left in the tank. Um, and I was sitting there. I had a, everything. The business designed everything. You know when they say build it and they'll come? Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> build it, you market the fuck out of it, it may show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I still had a hell of a lot of work to market this thing. Right. And I anticipated that the time for sales to convert would have been two weeks to three weeks when did for you, people when did to you buy. Open? When I that? opened in uh, May. May of. So right around now, actually. May of 2015? 2014. 14? Uh, 2015. Yeah, 2015. Okay, May of 2015. Yeah. And uh, so. I expected the cycle for buying would have been a lot shorter. Right. Um, and it wasn't. It was closer to three months. I am. So I was sitting there in the office by myself uh, at a run rate of somewhere around $6,500 a month. Burning cash yeah. every month, paying the rent. Well, and, and that's got that's got to be a good chunk of it, right? The rent. Yeah, like, you gotta you gotta pay after you open the doors. You gotta yeah. pay. The, I was paying rent before I opened the doors. Right, right, right. So I was literally burning cash on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, at, at the tune of you know, you take that four or five hundred dollars a day. Yeah. burning, sitting in an office by myself uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on trying to do ads and trying to figure out how was to that my tough? website. I mean, together. you were by yourself. And yeah, burning it was cash like- hugely isolating. And that's when I was about to actually give up. Right. Right. I was I was ready to give up and walk out. And um, I had been going and doing the networking and everything. And eventually like legit give up or just kind of having negative. Yeah, no, no, no. I'd had negative thoughts for a while, (laughs) (laughs) but legit give up. Like I was um, that day. I'm like, it was like one 30 and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I've got to pull it. Like I've got to make that call. Was it hard to come to that? to that point where you're like, no, I got to give another day, give another day, give another day. And I'd gone through that and that had been two and a half months of that. Right. So I, I just couldn't anymore. And my, um, and that's when Dave called me. He's like, Hey, I'm downtown. You got a desk open. And I'm like, sure, Dave, crusty old day. Did you know him at that point? I'd met him networking. Okay. Right. And he'd helped me fix my email. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so he was like, yeah, sure. He goes, I'm coming by. Okay. I'm like, all right, well I'll stay and I'll hang out with Dave, I guess. And Dave stayed and we were like, oh, I'll stay here for an hour or two and we'll hang out. We'll do some stuff. And then Adam came by and said, hey, how you doing? I wanted to do this, this, this. And all of a sudden, I, Adam's like, kind of meeting with someone. Can we go in the tank? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he goes, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So that started it. And then later on that day, um, Jason came by right. and said, hey, our other co-working place just closed. Do you have space available? And Jason, uh, Jason and U17 was his, my first client. Right. And then you called. Right. <laughs> like later on, like two or three days later. Like what are we talking about between Dave calling and me calling? What times? Like four days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So between like you're about to give up and within four days, basically four clients 
coming. It's, it just started all the work and all the marketing and all the energy wow. and effort that I did had just started to. That, that That's so crazy thinking about that, Eric, because yeah. when I called you, yeah. I, I was like, okay, th- these were my thoughts about my route offs. Okay. Yeah. I, I had found you guys a couple months before I called. Yeah. And <laughs> see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like thinking about it for a while. Mm-hmm. And you know what my thought was? I thought I was like, like this, this place looks so amazing. It's so great. Mm-hmm. I, I better get on this soon because you know what? Like, this is going to be like, I want to be kind of part of the cool crowd who gets to work in a place like my Bart office yeah. because everyone is after this, I bet. Yeah. You know, and everyone's in there already. I had no idea that I was one of the first four. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Most, but remember back then, if I mentioned co-working to someone, they had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. Like now, I mean, the main motivation in the end that I yeah. finally picked up the phone was because I had a meeting and at you know, Starbucks and it was terrible. Like with three, three laps, I couldn't, it didn't work. So I, I called Starbucks you, but, unpaid advertising. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's crazy to think mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, I, I mean, I heard the story at legacy, at the legacy Boot Camp when we were on a panel together. There. Oh yeah, yeah that's you, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you had told yeah. the story. So, uh, it's, it's really crazy to think that you were really ready to throw in the towel yeah. and within a span of four days. Yeah. And, and it, and that was just enough. That wasn't enough to recover. Right. Um, it was just enough to, for me to realize that, Give you a no, I, I, I can hold in. I am, this is going to work because yeah. up until that point, yeah. uh, the eight months prior to that, everybody told me that it wasn't right. Right. When I went to landlords or property owners and stuff like that, nobody wanted to rent to me because they're like, we don't believe in you. Right. We don't believe that's going to work. Who's going to rent a desk from you? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they didn't under, have an understanding or a vision of what, what I was trying to do. I mean, I, I can imagine a lot of that industry is a little bit old school and doesn't, they are. it's not very forward thinking, yeah. right? They're, and they're very, very, uh, reserved yeah. and they, they don't want to take chances on something new. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel like that industry is pretty stable if you're in it, right? Yeah. If you own a building. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a very <laughs> yeah. high risk industry, right? No, no. So yeah, that's, that's so, I mean, it's so weird. Like, like again, thinking of, like, like we were in this space in breather. I remember I came to meet you. And you're like, okay, yeah, like, yeah. let's go to Breather and we'll have a meeting. And I talked. I, I was for sure under the mindset that, oh, yeah, Eric's got like so many clients. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent. My plan crazy. worked. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, you've gotten you've gotten through that hurdle. Yeah. You've gotten to a place. Eric, it's crazy. This is the second podcast episode I've recorded now. And I'm, I'm always afraid that always, like again, two times now, I'm afraid that I won't be able to fill the time. And unfortunately, we are out of time already. Oh, no. There was a billion questions I wanted to ask. What's the big one? I'll answer it fast. I, there's just too many. You, oh. you, you've told a good story, and I think I'm going to end it there. But okay. um, this definitely means we'll have to have you on the podcast again. There's like so much stuff to explore about MBO, about communities, about everything that you're building. Um, I personally want to thank you for doing what you did because it really has given my own business the, the capability to do what we do. It's a huge part of who we are. I've said it in our own documentary that, you know, no, my, my barter office is such a part of our identity now. And we've, we've had the chance, you know, to like you have given us the chance to move to a different space. And even though that's still MBO, you know, for the, my barter office not brand, quite the same. it's not quite the same as being, you know, in the space with you and the other people that we've met and, and kind of that yeah. comfort that we have there. So it's kind of brought me to a place now where I no longer am in a rush to get my own personal space, you know, like I used to be, I can't wait till we get our own private bite site office space. 
and now nuts no longer really on the priority list anymore. Right? Oh, that's and, great. And it's really changed my mentality. So, well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, this crazy guy actually executed and was able to deliver because yes. <laughs> that's a, you know what, and that, that makes me feel so happy because that's the reason why I did it. I wanted to build a sense of community and a place where people could come and collect and be, do amazing things together as professionals. And it's great to hear that it, that actually happened. That's awesome. Took a little while, but we got there. <laughs> yeah, no. And it is it is amazing to hear these stories. Eric, thank you so much for being my second guest on this podcast. I'm very pumped about this podcast. I'm very excited yeah. about it. I've got a lot of guests lined up and it's starting to, to I think, take shape. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. If you are listening out there and you have no idea what we've been talking about over the last hour, visit www.mybywardoffice.com. If you're in the Ottawa area, if you're visiting Ottawa, or if you're just interested in co-working spaces, you know, business startups, all that kind of stuff, get in touch with Aaron McRae. He has a lot of, clearly a lot of experience that we've learned about today, but he's got so much more on the go. Definitely reach out to him, figure out you know, what the co-working uh, situation is all about because it is, a, it is a movement in a way. Communities are a movement and there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of really cool stuff going on in that space. So Eric, before I cut to my outro, yeah. is there anything you want to say? Um, oh, now you throw me into it. No, you know what? I think uh, you, you hit it really well. I, I love the um, coaching, mentoring component of, of what I do and getting to work with all the organizations, different businesses that come through, uh, talking to them, giving them advice for free or otherwise. Um, and also my fun project right now, when you talk about everybody getting on the bandwagon of building those communities, I'm also working with the federal government right now as they roll out co-working yeah. for federal employees, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I have to say I'm super impressed with Frederick and the whole team. They are, Tanya, they're doing a fantastic job of, uh, of rolling that kind of methodology and philosophy out with their government employees. So it's becoming a real thing. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I actually have those topics and I want to talk to you about that. And what's great is maybe a couple months from now when we, when we have you back on the show, yeah. I'd love to see how that project is going. I'd love to talk to you about the mentorship. We should have one launched. Yeah, it'd yeah, be amazing we'll to, to see launch. how successful it's gone, yeah. right? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of reputation around the government and, and not, you know, kind of being forward thinking. And it's great that they have decided to, to explore this, you know, and bring someone who's clearly very knowledgeable in this subject. So yeah. definitely excited to have you back on the show. All right. If you guys have any questions, comments or concerns, you can email me at my personal email address. That's right. My personal email address is now out there in the ether. Well, it's been out there in the ether for a while, but casey.lee at gmail.com. You can email me with anything you want. Um, you can visit our website also, www.caseylee.com slash podcast. Um, Casey Talks to People is currently hosted on anchor.fm and is distributed uh, distributed to all your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.